I'm going to close out our series in, uh, on the Israel trip that I had this morning. And this, these uh, pictures that I show you this morning are, are not some of the ones, I, as I've told you before, that most intrigued me. Uh, because most every place that Jesus did anything, they planted a church on top of it. And, uh, and I wasn't all that excited about that. And so all the way through the Via Della Rosa, there's a church <laughs> everywhere that Jesus might have done anything on that trip uh, to the cross. Um, and so that in particular didn't thrill me. But it was amazing to me watching the other pastors. Because some of them that I totally didn't expect them to you know, to get into it, really got into it. While I was much more into the Sea of Galilee and the agricultural era where Jesus turned uh, the water into wine and where Jesus fed the 5,000, all of that kind of stuff, that's where that really gripped me. But this didn't so much. But this may be what grips you this morning uh, from the trip of Israel just because God has made us all uh, so different. The Via Dolorosa means the way of suffering, the way of grief, or the way of pain. And you stop and think. I want you, as you just stop and think about that this morning, what Jesus did cost him a lot of grief and a lot of pain. There's only about 2,000 steps in the whole, whole trip that Jesus took from the time that he was sentenced till the time he was hanging on the cross, about 2,000. doesn't take very long to uh, do that, just a little less than a mile. But all the way, it was painful suffering that Jesus went through for us. There's 14 stations of the cross as Protestants. We don't talk a lot about that, but Roman Catholics do, uh, Greek Orthodox, Eastern uh, churches do a lot more than we do. But there are 14 stations of the cross. Five of them are not mentioned in Scripture, uh, but in Roman Catholic tradition. Um, and then, and some of these sites, even new archaeological evidence suggests that uh, they're not really the sites where this did happen. They're pretty close. Uh, but, but what I'll show you is the traditional sites that, uh, where they had built the churches over on top of them and all of that. One of the other things that you and I just imagine, we've all grown up singing something even older than Sandy Patty, um, the old rugged cross. And, you know, you just, you get this view in your mind from singing that about kind of a country, um, cultural um, setting, quiet and serene and um, peaceful lined with olive trees and all of that, as you think about Jesus going to the cross. It was anything but that. (laughs) It would have been very crowded, noisy, noisy with businesses and people selling their their merchandise and, and small crowded streets full of people and Roman soldiers trying to push their way through the crowd and make way to bring Jesus through the streets to get to the cross and all of that. Christians come from all over the world to walk this path, often led by someone carrying a very large wooden cross. And the path, as I've told you, is about 2,000 steps. 
The first station is the one up here on the screen, and you can see um, a round circle there, a round copper circle, and it's got the number one on it. And so on every path, you'll find one of those circles. Um, every stop at the station of the cross, one of those circles is there identifying the station. This is a elementary school in, a, in the Muslim quarter of Jerusalem. And this is where they believe, uh, of course, the school wasn't there then, uh, but it's near a gate uh, into the old city of Jerusalem. And it's where they believe that Pilate was when he sentenced Jesus uh, and condemned uh, Jesus to die. Uh, from Mark chapter 14, verses 61 through 64, it says, But Jesus remained silent and gave him no answer. Again, the high priest asked him, Are you the Messiah, the Son of the Blessed One? I am, said Jesus, and you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One, coming in the clouds of heaven. The high priest tore his clothes. Why do we need any more witnesses, he asked. You have heard the blasphemy. What do you think? And they all condemned him as worthy of death. And then the next station, station number two, is uh, where they have built uh, the Franciscan Chapel uh, flagellation and the Echo Homo Convent. Um, Echo Homo, uh, Eke Homo, means uh, behold the man. And so that's, that's where in, in your King James Bibles, uh, Peter, or not, um, Pilate finally brings Jesus out with mock royalty, uh, a crown of thorns and a purple robe, and he brings them out to the Jews and he says, Behold the man, here's the man. Uh, and so that, this is uh, the place that they have built a chapel for that. And the verse there comes from John chapter 19, verse 5. When Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, Pilate said to them, Behold the man. Station three is of the Polish Armenian Catholic Chapel. Uh, some of the Armenians uh, that built this, they were of Polish descent. And uh, this is one of those, uh, we're getting into some of those that come from Roman uh, Catholic tradition uh, and not from Scripture, but we have no reason to believe it's not true, it's just not in our Scriptures. makes sense that it, Jesus would have fallen three times, or at least three times, on this journey, carrying the cross, uh, being beaten as he was, and all of that. Um, but it does not recount any of this, but this, this is where they believe that Jesus fell the first time um, on his way to um, the cross. And then Station 4 is, is fairly close to that. It's the Armenian Orthodox Chapel. And down below you see a sign where you can get pizza too. Uh, you can go in. <laughs> Next Sunday we'll do a potluck and church together, but um, they do uh, chapel and pizza, I guess. Um, <laughs> here is where they believe that Jesus met his mother. According to tradition, we don't have a record of that. We know that Mother Mary was at the cross um, at that point, but we don't, we don't know that there's any particular place that she met him. Uh, but according to tradition, this is the place where uh, Mary met Jesus on the journey. Station 5 is the Franciscan Chapel. Um, the Franciscans are Roman Catholics of uh, St. Francis, and um, 
This is the place where Scripture records Simon of Cyrene carried the cross for Jesus, and you come here, and it's, it's one of the turns. The, the Via della Rosa is not a straight shot. It goes through, winds kind of through Jerusalem. And this is one, at one of those turns. And this is recounted in all three of the synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Uh, and I'm going to read to you the passage from Mark chapter 15. And when they had mocked him, they took off the purple robe and put his own clothes on him, and then they led him out to crucify him. And a certain man from Cyrene, Simon, the father of Alexander and Rufus, was passing by on his way in from the country, and they forced him to carry the cross. They brought Jesus to the place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. So you just stop and think, Jesus was so weary, so beaten, even at this early stage of the day that he could no longer carry his own cross. And they bring in this other man and force him to carry the cross for Jesus. The next station is the chapel of Veronica. And uh, this is also from tradition, and uh, in fact, some people would say this is more legend than tradition. Um, but Veronica means um, Vera um, is true, and icon means image. And so you, when you put that together, Veronica means to have a true image. And so they believe that this lady, and they've named her Veronica, um, went out and wiped the face of Jesus on his journey to the cross, and that his um, the image of his face remained on the cloth. And they've got that stored somewhere in, in Jerusalem and all of that. Uh, but again, that's Catholic legend. And so this is the, the chapel of Veronica um, there on the streets of Jerusalem. The next station is uh, station number seven, another Franciscan chapel uh, where people pray and Mass is held. Uh, it's unique with the red door, red and black doors there. Um, and this is where they believe that Christ uh, fell the second time. I'm going to pause here and I want us to listen to the words of Isaiah chapter um, 53, verses 4 through 9. Isaiah 53. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. I want you just to pause and think about that. God the Father, loving you so much that he laid all of your sins, the sins that you have, all the sins you've ever committed, all the sins you ever will commit till the day you die. God loved you so much that he chose to lay those on his one and only son and let him bear the price for that. 
All of us like sheep have gone astray. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And then he goes on, Isaiah does, in prophecy about what would happen to Jesus on this journey. He says he was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. Yet who of his generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people he was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Assigned a grave with the wicked though he was innocent. The next station, station number eight, is of the Greek um, Orthodox monastery. Um, And this is where they believe that Jesus consoles the crying women of Jerusalem. And it's recorded there in Luke chapter 23, verses 27 and 28. A large number of people followed him, including women who mourned and wailed for him. Jesus turned and said to them, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me. Weep for yourselves and for your children. And then the ninth station is the last station that is outside of the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. Um, You see the dome uh, in the background, the dome of the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. That's all the Church of the Holy Sepulchre there. And this is the the pathway or street in leading into that uh, from one direction. And uh, it is here that they believe that Jesus fell uh, the third time on his way to the journey. And then the next station is the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. I've shown you this uh, before. We spent quite a bit of time here. Um, Down below is actually the entrance in this corner uh, where everyone comes in and goes out. And... um, But it's outside in this courtyard where they believe that Jesus, um, his garments were stripped off at the entrance to Calvary. And of course, the church wasn't there, uh, but this is the oldest church in Israel uh, that still is standing. Um, But it was out in this courtyard where Jesus had his garments stripped off. And Matthew 27, 34 through 35 says, There they offered Jesus wine to drink mixed with gall. But after tasting it, he refused to drink it. When they had crucified him, they divided up his clothes by casting lots. And then the the rest of the stations are inside. Uh, This is the Roman Catholic chapel uh, within uh, the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. Um, Sepulchre is the word for tomb. Uh, There's several different words that in different languages for tomb. But this is the church that contains where they actually believe the tomb of Jesus was. And this is, one part of it is the Roman Catholic altar. And uh, you can see very dimly, but all the the rooftop, the ceilings, all the arches, the walls uh, have just beautiful mosaic and just very small pieces of of marble and mosaic that is is plastered all all over that. But that's... That's the the, um, Roman Catholic 
altar. And I just want you to keep that in mind because I'm going to show you in a few minutes uh, the Greek Orthodox altar and just show you how much difference there is uh, between the two of them. Listen to um, John chapter 19, verse 18. There they crucified him and with him two others, one on each side and Jesus in the middle. Station 12 is the Greek Orthodox altar. Um, this is within the same church building. <laughs> and um, as, as I've told you before, just part of my personality and all of that, or dysfunctional personality, as my wife would think, um, this is just very, very cluttered. And I don't have any other word for it. Um, <laughs> uh, but anyway, that's all of those icons and all of that have deep religious significance to people of the Greek Orthodox uh, faith. Um, but it, they believe that somewhere around in this area is actually the place where the cross was where Jesus died. Luke chapter 23, verses 44 through 46. It was now about noon, and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. For the sun stopped shining, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And when he had said this, he breathed his last. Imagine the darkness The sun stopped shining for three hours, from noon to three. And Israel is a bright place most of the time, very sunny, very hot, very dry. But for the sun to stop shining up there in high Jerusalem demonstrates the grief of God at what was going to happen there. And what had happened in, in Jesus dying for our sins. The temple, the curtain of the temple being torn in two. And Jesus breathed his last. And then station 13 is, um, this is the place where they believe that Jesus' body was removed from the cross and anointed for burial. And so you have this low stone here and, and people from all over the world most of the time, you'll you'll just see people down uh, worshiping at that stone, uh, kissing it, praying, reading their Bibles, all kinds of things. You'll just see people surrounded that all the time. Right now, there was a at this picture, there was a religious service going on. But most of the time, you walk in there, and it's it's just not too far, just inside the entrance of the Church of the Holy Sepulcher, and people are right there where they prepared the body of Jesus for burial. John chapter 19, verses 33 through 38 record this. But when they came to Jesus and found that he was already dead, dead, they did not break his legs. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced Jesus' side with a spear, bringing a sudden flow of blood and water. The man who saw it has given testimony, and his testimony is true. He knows that he tells the truth and testifies so that you may also believe. These things happen so that the scripture would be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken. And as another scripture says, they will look on the one they have pierced. Later, Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. Now Joseph was a disciple of Jesus. 
but secretly they fear because but secretly because he feared the Jewish leaders with Pilate's permission he came and took the body away and the last picture i have for you this morning is of the the place down at the bottom um, where you head down into the tomb, there's only room for about three people in there at a time. Um, the first, the first little place in there, there's um, some incense and some candles and all of that. Um, and then there's part of the stone that that some people believe was part of the original stone that covered the the um, tomb. And then you go into another little room that's just big enough for a, a body to be there. And um, and so. Um, we went in, and uh, this is where uh, uh, some of our group went in and sang victory in Jesus, uh, right in the, the presence of that tomb. Matthew, I believe it is. Um, I don't have it right down in front of me. Matthew 27, uh, 19, or 50, or 59 through 60. Joseph took the body, wrapped it in a clean linen cloth, and placed it in his own new tomb that he had cut out of the rock. And he rolled a big stone in front of the entrance to the tomb, and he went away.